All right, church. Say how great you guys sound this morning. I tell you, it's wonderful to be able to praise the Lord and to uh, be able to give Him the focus of our heart this morning. Thank you guys for singing out today and honoring God through your song and praise this morning. So good to see you guys. Wow, the second Sunday of a new year is pretty amazing. I hope that you guys are still steadfast in your resolutions, right? I mean, we're 12 days into this new year, so surely you're in good shape on resolutions. Okay, good. I'll ask you in about two months from now. We'll see how that goes, but uh, it is so good. I hope that in your thought process about trying to set some goals or uh, maybe make some uh, points of reference for this new year that you thought about in one of those things, uh, the idea of sharing your faith with someone else this year. Wouldn't it be amazing if just this body of believers here this morning could just reach, each of us reach one person? How amazing that would be, wouldn't it? If we just focused on praying and sharing with just one person that we know in our lives and present them the gospel of Jesus Christ this year and see the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives, how amazing that might be if we were to do that as, as believers. Maybe that might be a great resolution today to make this morning. It's not too late to do that. And so I want to invite you uh, to turn your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to continue through our walk through the book of Colossians, and I want to share with you a message that's kind of focused on that very thing. Uh, Paul is concluding his letter to the church at Colossae, and he's giving some encouragement, as he usually does in the letters that he writes. Toward the end, he gives these kind of a shotgun effect of affirmations that he wants uh, the believers to understand, and this morning... Uh, he's focusing on that very thing about being evangelistic, about being willing to share their faith. And he gives some keys to evangelism that are universal in uh, the life of the church. First of all, we have to understand that evangelism is important in the church today. You guys say amen? amen. Right, it is. As a matter of fact, it's more than important. It's really our marching orders that we have from our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And so God has called us as a group of believers to go out in the world that we live in every day and to be sensitive to God and His leading and be open to being used by Him to be able to communicate to the people around us what it is to believe in Jesus Christ. What's the value of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, what, what is it about knowing Him that's changed your life? Some of the songs that we sang this morning, especially the one where he touched me and the difference that his touch makes in our life today. How did he touch you? How did he reach out and touch and affect your life? It's through the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose from the dead three days later. That's the message that touches our lives today, that makes a difference for us and God's called us to share that message. But follow along with me, if you would, in uh, Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2 through verse 11. Let me read these verses, and we'll come back and think about what, uh, what the Scriptures say. It says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ, of which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. 
Let your speech also be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Uh, Tychus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may that that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts uh, with Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you they will make known to you all things which are happening here uh Aristarchus, <laughs> uh my fellow prisoner greets you with Mark the cousin of Barnabas about whom you receive instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, which is called justice, they are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision, they have proved to be a comfort to me. Stop with me if you would there and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today to be able to receive your word this morning. Thank you for the testimony And the power that uh, your word speaks to our hearts with today. Father, help us to open our, our heart to your word. Father, give us ears that we certainly can't hear. And a receptive spirit this morning. That would receive the truth. That would affect our lives. Or that would help us to be able to understand the great things that you have for us today. Now, Father, I just pray this morning that you do all these things in Jesus' name. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. First of all, if you look with me about some of these key things to evangelism, one of the things that Paul begins in chapter 4 with is the idea of prayer. You see, prayer, uh, and and how do we pray uh, evangelistically for others? And so Paul begins to give us some principles or some ideas about this very thing, but we ought to be praying for people that are lost without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And one of those evangelistic prayer things, are we evangelistically, prayer is, first of all, it's thoughtful. In other words, listen to what Paul says in verse 2. He begins by saying, continue earnestly in prayer. Now, when you begin to think about the idea of earnestly, it really just means to, to be persistent in what we're praying for and who we're praying for. As a matter of fact, it's, it's given in, in a way in the Greek language where it really tells us to always be praying this way, to be nonstop in our prayers this way, uh, so that we're praying for others in order that they might come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in order to maintain this kind of persistence, right? Maybe you find it hard in your life to be persistent about things. You have good intentions. You start out with good ideas, but somewhere along the way, you lose the passion or the persistence. And prayer is certainly sometimes one of those, especially if we're praying for someone for a long period of time. But you see, I think in order to maintain that kind of persistence is that we have to think about what's at stake. In other words, we have to be thoughtful about why we're praying for a certain person that we know. Why are we faithful in praying for people who are lost without Jesus Christ? Well, when you begin to think about what's at stake, look, the Bible is very clear at what's at stake. It's eternal life. 
It's their eternal destiny. It's where they're going to spend eternity. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're interceding. Whether or not they're going to be eternally separated from God or they're going to come to faith in Jesus Christ, that's what believers, that's what we pray. The Bible gives us in in many places encouragement to pray for people who, who are lost without Jesus Christ. And so we need to keep in our minds, what's this battle about? What's this struggle about? It's about men and women, boys and girls. It's about their eternal life. When you and I are petitioning God on their behalf, we're petitioning God that they be saved. That they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We're crying out to a loving, kind God, and we're asking Him to move in their behalf that they'll come to know Him as their personal Savior. Now listen, I don't know about you, but the Bible says about our soul, it says, what value really can we put on a soul? In other words, Jesus said, if we had everything there is, what would we give in exchange for our soul? What's the value of that one soul? It's worth everything. It's worth all the money in the world. It's worth all the things in the world. It's worth the material world itself. It's it's more valuable than all those things. And so when we begin to think about why should we pray for people to to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, think at what's at stake. It's everything. And then because it's everything, then we ought to pray like everything, right? With great burden for someone to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, evangelistic prayer is thoughtful. But let me just say to you also that evangelistic prayer is tactful. Listen to what he says also in verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. In other words, the idea of being vigilant is, is really to be alert or on guard or be aware. So we ought to be aware of, of, of why we're praying and who we're praying for. We, we know what our enemy and his strategy is today. You know, uh, Satan doesn't disguise his strategy. I mean, it's revealed to us through Scripture. We know what he wants to do. He wants to keep as many people lost without Jesus Christ, unbelieving, unaccepting of their salvation. And then he wants to those who have trusted Jesus Christ as to render them as ineffective as they possibly can be in the work of the kingdom. Because by, by doing both those things, then then his strategy is is that... I can affect uh, those who are lost without Jesus Christ. And so the Bible really encourages us to be aware of those things. We should be praying about those things that wake people up to knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. One of the things that Jesus himself said to pray for in this tactical sense is he says that, that God is the Lord of the harvest. And that the fields are white. They're ready to be harvested. But what he says is the labors are few. And he says pray for labors for the harvest. That's strategic pray. Is that you, you and I ought to be constantly praying. Is that God in Garrison Baptist Church raise up those who will share their faith. Raise up those who will be ready to go out in the harvest. Raise up in, 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 in our church those who have a deep burden. Who will be thoughtful about those that are lost without Jesus Christ. Lord, raise up those who will work in the harvest. And so we pray. 
An evangelistic prayer is, is, is tactical. In other words, uh, we ought to be strategic about how we pray. Let me give you another one. Not only is evangelistic prayer thoughtful and tactical, but also if you look at verse 2, it's also thankful. It's thankful. Listen to what he says again in verse 2 at the end. <clears throat> he says, be vigilant uh, in it with thanksgiving. And why is it important that we be thankful in our prayers? Because you see, thanksgiving, listen to me, thanksgiving is always reflective. In other words, we're not thankful to God until we're reflective in our heart. We think about the things that God has done for us and who God is. And then out of that reflection comes this thank you. Uh, And so what Paul is, is saying here is that we remember what God has done, his power, his love, his greatness. Uh, his, uh, his long-suffering, and then we thank Him. And when we thank Him, it really reminds us of how capable He is, and it makes what seems impossible to be able to become possible. That's why we thank Him. You maybe have, have prayed for somebody for a long time. Might be a son or a daughter. Might be a spouse. Might be a good friend that you have, and over and over throughout the years, you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And maybe you've gotten to a place where you really think it's impossible. Well, listen, when we're thankful in our prayers to God, that causes us to be reflective about how great God is and how that we can see even what seems to be impossible to us is possible with Him. So when we pray, thank, be thankful. Well, let me give you another one. Evangelistic prayer is not only thankful, but it's also timely. It's timely. In the sense that, uh, well, he says in verse 3, he says, Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to, to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Paul is saying, look, that, that we ought to be praying, praying to God in evangelistically in a timely way. What's he saying? He's saying, church, would you pray that God would open the door? That when the time comes, that God would open the door. That when whoever's ready or whatever's ready, that you would faithfully open a way for me to be able to share. Now, Paul, Paul reminds us of where he was when he wrote this letter. He was in prison. He, he was chained, he says in Philippians, to, to a guard, a Roman guard. And, and he's asking for access to lost people. And what does God do? He chains him to unbelievers. Now some of you say, oh, that's where I work. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm chained eight hours a day. The unbelievers are all around me. And I'm wondering, where in the world can I share my faith? <laughs> and God has opened that door for you to be able to share. You see, evangelistic prayer is timely. And let me just say, in a timely fashion, we ought to always be praying for people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Are you praying for God to open a door for you? For this church, for those in this church, the key is making the most of the opportunities that God makes available, right, when we pray. And then the question is, are we available? When God, in a timely way, opens those doors. 
Let me give you the last thing about evangelistic praying. Is evangelistic praying is transparent. I mean, it just lays it out there in a bare and a bold way. Look at verse 4. That I may, uh, that, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That, that's really transparent, isn't it? You know what Paul's saying? He says, God, I need you. And, and he's saying to the believers there is that I need you to be praying for me because I need God. Can't do it without him. It's no different for you and I. Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. We can't even begin to do the work of evangelism without the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying is just lay it out there. So often we try to shade our weaknesses and cover our, our inadequacies and make excuses for our ineptness. But Paul says, listen, when you pray for me, just put it out there. I need God, and I need Him to work through me, or else this thing won't get done. And so one of the keys to being evangelistic, if you're excited about that thought this year, is to pray evangelistically. Let me give you another one. Not only to pray evangelistically, but very quickly, look, we need to live evangelistically, or (coughs) evangelistically. What's that look like? You know, how can our lives be a testimony of who Christ is? Well, Paul gives us at least a couple of ways. One of those is in verse 5. And he says in verse 5 is that really we should direct your conduct evangelistically. He says in verse 5, walk. That's our life, the way that we live, the manner that we live, our conduct throughout life. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. And so he's saying that we should direct our, our conduct, direct our life uh, toward evangelistically, thinking about those who are lost, living in a way that's going to affect them with our testimony. Now, to walk in wisdom is, is just simply to live your life based on God's principles, isn't it? If God is the all-wise God and He's revealed to us uh, the things of life, then certainly if we choose to embrace those principles about life into our life and live those out, then we're, living in, we're walking in wisdom. And he says there's a reason. Well, let me just give you a, 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 a one reason before I give you the second one. Is The first one, if we walk in wisdom, our lives are going to be much better. Much better. Uh, they're going to be much more fulfilling. They're going to be uh, much more effective. But he, he gives another reason also. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. What's he talking about, those who are outside? Those who are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what, what Paul is saying is that, listen, uh, listen, pattern, principle your life by the things of God so that those who are outside of that relationship with God is going to see the things that you value and the principles by, by that which you live by, and they're going to see Christ through those things. Does that make sense? I, I mean, he's talking, if Jesus is the answer, then being a living example is the answer. Back in chapter 3, Paul uh, uh, ended chapter 3, he was talking about marriage. And listen, if there's, there's anything about our culture that, that we're confused about today, the world that we live in today, it's marriage. 
I, I mean, the, our culture in the United States, really around the world today, is all over the place when it comes to marriage. What is that supposed to look like? Well, God has an answer for that, and he has a design, a pattern. If you look back in, in chapter 3, remember what he said? He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. as fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What if we took those principles about marriage and begin to live those principles out? How would that affect the people that we know around us? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to live evangelistic, then direct your conduct evangelistically. What you do matters. And what people see in your life will make a difference. Well, not only does he say direct your conduct, but he says direct your conversation evangelistically as well. Look at verse 6. He says in verse 6, let your speech always be with grace Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So what's he saying? He's saying here is let your, let your speech, let your conversation, let the things that you say be seasoned with grace. And, and also be seasoned with salt. Uh, and when we begin to speak to people with grace... And, and salt really just is, you know, you know, in the scripture, salt was one of those things that had all kinds of great benefits for the ancient world. I mean, it was a preservative. It, it was something that cured I- infections. And it was something that made things more palatable and tasted better. And all those things salt affected. And so what, what really is believers is our lives ought to be a, a life that when we live it out for Jesus Christ ought to be healing to other people. I mean, every relationship that we have, our, our effect on that other relationship should be one that heals, that makes it better, that makes it with more flavor. And so we direct our, 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 our conversation, our words, and the things that we do in a way that will affect people for Jesus Christ. So one of those keys is to live evangelistically and to pray evangelistically. Let me close with this last thought. Is that we should serve evangelistic in an evangelistic way. Reaching people for Jesus Christ. He talks about a guy in verse 7 and 8, Tychus. Uh, and he says in, in verse 8, listen to his description, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. What's he saying about this guy? He says, I'm sending him to you for this purpose, this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your heart. What's the characteristics of this guy when he served? He was constant because Paul says he's faithful and he's comforting because God, uh, Paul says he'll bring you comfort. Now, certainly, some, some, the ways that we, you and I ought to serve uh, ought to certainly be in that like manner, right? In other words, we ought to be consistent in our service. If we're going to serve Jesus Christ, we ought to make the commitment to Him and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to be consistent in my service. I'm not going to be available a few days a week. I'm going to be available all the time. I, I'm not going to serve you in certain periods of my life, 
and then when things get busy, I'm going to walk away from that service. No, be consistent. Be comforting. In other words, to bring comfort to those that are hurting. Isn't that really the essence of service? If you look at the acts of service that Jesus did in the New Testament, over and over again we see him coming to people in their lives, in their time of need, and what's he doing? He's comforting them. What better pattern can we have for service than Jesus himself? He talks about another guy, Onesimus. Now, if you know Onesimus' story, if you read the book of Philemon, you'll know Philemon, you'll know that Onesimus was a runaway slave. And that Paul met up with him, and he began to find out more about him, and he understood. And, and you know the amazing thing, it's not amazing, it's one of those God encounters, is that Paul knew his master. And that Paul wrote to his master, <coughs> and he shared with him, look, this guy's here He's been radically changed by Jesus Christ. He's not the same guy who ran away. Uh, I'm going to send him back to you. And would you please deal with him in grace? And so sure enough, Onesimus goes back to his master. And sure enough, his master heeded Paul's uh, encouragement. And he treated him with grace, restored him, all those kind of things. And so Onesimus is an example of grace. Of grace. So when you and I serve and when we minister in an evangelistic way, it's always through grace. We can't minister any other way. Because, listen, the people that we minister to, let me back up just a minute. When I was ministered to by somebody who was loving me in Christ, I didn't deserve that. Now, he could have looked at me and said, listen, you're pretty sorry, and you're not worth very much, so I'm not going to spend my time with you, because I was hard for him to minister to. And he really could have justly said, hey, I'm, I'm done with you. But he didn't. He ministered in grace. And that ministry of grace is one of the compelling things that God used me to wake me up to, to who Jesus Christ is. And so we're going to be ministering to people that there may be a thought or a time in our lives when we say, this is not worth it. But it really is. And so we minister in grace. There's another guy that he mentions, Aristarchus. And he says in verse 10, listen to what he says about him. He says, my fellow prisoner. So guess where he is? He's with Paul. He's experiencing what Paul's experiencing. Paul was in chains in Rome, and one of Paul's testimonies was the fact that I'm here for a reason because my being here is giving boldness to those who are understanding my circumstances and seeing God work through them. You see, he's an example of being bold. In our ministry and our service, we have to be bold. There's no room for you and I to be shy about sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be confronted with opposition and persecution and resistance. And really, we need to be bold. We can be bold in Jesus Christ. Another one that he mentions is Mark. And he goes on and he fully identifies who Mark is. And he says about Mark, he says... Uh, this is Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Not any other Mark, but the cousin of Barnabas. Now, why would Paul be so specific about who this guy is? This is the same one who started out with him in his first missionary journey. Who went a little ways into that journey and decided he'd had enough and he was going to go home. 
And so he turned around and went home. Well, on the next trip, Barnabas, Mark's cousin, says, Paul, let's try him again. Let's take him again. And Paul says, not a chance. I'm not taking him anywhere. But Barnabas did. And Barnabas and Mark went out and they faithfully served. And they came back and Paul saw the value of Mark's service. And you know what he did? He gave him a second chance. Second chance. You see, for you and I to serve evangelistically, it's all about the second chances, isn't it? We're offering to someone else a second chance. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the second chance. That, that, that opportunity that in Christ we become new again through our faith and relationship with Him. And let me tell you, by the way, you're going to find out if you haven't already in service and serving evangelistically, you're going to need a second chance. Because every one of us are going to blow it at some time or another. We're going to miss an appointment that God set up for us. We're going to miss an opportunity. We're going to mess up inside that opportunity. But listen, don't ever give up. Because the effort's too valuable. And then finally he gives a last reference to a guy by the name of Justice. And he says about Justice, he says, and Jesus who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers who... Uh, for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision. Why did Paul say that? These were Jews that had come to faith in Jesus Christ. These were Jews that were set free from the bondage of the law. You see, justice uh, is is a picture of freedom. Why do we minister of being free? Why do we minister? Why do we do what we do? Isn't it about being free? Free from condemnation. Free from penalty of sin. Isn't that the message that we share with those that we come in contact with? Is the message of being free. Free in the Lord Jesus Christ. Free to be His slave and to serve Him. Freedom. I don't know about... What your aspirations or goals are for this year, 2020. But please let me encourage you today. To think about what you would like to be. What your witness, what you'd like your witness to be in this upcoming year. What's that going to look like? Am I going to live life, pray? Am I going to serve in a way that's going to be reaching other people for Jesus Christ? Bow with me if you wouldn't. Let's pray.